it's quite unbelievable. Like, it's quite unbelievable what a year it's been. And for me, you know, personally, I, I was a very healthy person. So for me to just take ill like that was um, pretty scary, actually. And we're still trying to figure out the details of that. But, you know, COVID is probably going to be here for a while. You know, just to study the disease and the toll it's taken on people. There's a lot of loan callers. There's a lot of families. Millions of families were affected. I just don't know anybody that was not affected in in some type of way from this. I've personally tested, I know, over a 1,000 COVID patients, but I never tested positive for COVID. I've been tested many times. Um, So it it is a, a big mystery as to what happened to me. A year ago, I spoke with Antoinette Ward the first week of the shutdown. It was the middle of March, and I had just set up my home recording studio and was grappling with a new normal and pretty terrified. But I set out to talk with the women who were on the front lines fighting COVID-19, and I was introduced to Antoinette. She had just built one of the largest COVID testing sites in Atlanta. That number has changed in the last month or two. That number is changing daily. Um, In one of our smaller emergency departments, they have doubled the volume of patients that are walking in every day. COVID has changed how we practice and what we do. Antoinette has a doctorate in nursing, and she's been a healthcare provider for more than 25 years. I'm Antoinette Ward, a chief of advanced practice providers at a large healthcare center right here in Atlanta. I'm the representation of emergency medicine for the organization and I'm the representation of nurse practitioners and physicians assistants within my department. Antoinette went from seeing thousands of patients a week, testing thousands of patients for COVID, to becoming a patient herself. If you haven't already heard her incredible story, you can go back to our episode, COVID-19 on the Frontlines, from March 17th, 2020. So many people can relate to this past year being a year that physically spiritually, emotionally, has taken the rug out from underneath you. And this episode is dedicated to taking a time out and reflecting on the journey of this past year with Dr. Antoinette Ward. Welcome to The Women. I'm your host, Rose Reed. Hello, Ms. Antoinette. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, actually. So tell me, how are you? Well, I'm doing well. Um, I was, this past year has been, oh gosh, a year of events, to say the least. (laughs) But now I'm doing better. Um, I was very busy working in the hospital um, clinically. I had some outside projects I worked on, and then I ended up getting sick and hospitalized for almost three months. Oh, my God. Yeah. You have taken care of so many people, and the fact that you get sick during a year of a global pandemic, when you're one of our first responders, it's just a lot to take in. It was. Um, I didn't have COVID, actually, and I've never had COVID. Um, I've tested thousands of people just by nature of um, what I do, 
but I actually became septic. They don't even know why or what happened. I remember telling my husband, I don't feel well. Um, I may be dehydrated. And he, I said, I probably need some fluids. I've been working too much. And he took me to the hospital and I just became gravely ill um, with sepsis. I had DIC. Um, I was in the ICU, intubated for several weeks. Um, I had compartment syndrome in my right leg. I had to have multiple surgeries. Um, yeah, it was just a pretty rough ride. I really don't remember, luckily, a lot of what happened. Um, wow. Yeah, I've been told some details after the fact once I got home at physical therapy. Um, but, yes, it was it was rough. But before that time, um, I was pretty busy working. I worked on several projects along with my job in the emergency department. One project was helping a movie studio, a local movie studio, to open through my organization, with my organization. Um, we were testing employees um, three three times a week at the studio at the studio at the movie studio site. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, hundreds of people, sometimes thousands, to help them get open. And then they had a quarantine bubble, which myself, another nurse practitioner, and um, two nurses, we all went in that bubble and stayed for two weeks while wow. they were so without filming. your family? Yes, without my family. Um, it was just, just uh, you know, my team there. And we I helped coordinate operations for getting everybody tested and within the quarantine bubble. So we did that, and um, after that, I maintained, you know, my regular job in the emergency department, working clinically in my administrative role, and then I started working on an NIH project. Um, that was really nice. I helped with the operations of that. Wow. So that's like a federal yes, project it, from the National Institute of Health? Yes, and that was a COVID project that I worked on. We st- I started that um before I became sick, actually. And that was one of the largest grants um, in the country for COVID testing that I worked on with that. And that was a lot of fun, actually. So um, last year, was it was a lot. My senior um, daughter, she graduated high school, went to college. Congratulations. Yes, it was really nice. Um, I have... Two boys, they did well. They were able to return to in-person school. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we spoke, on one hand, I can't believe it's only a year. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I can't believe it's been a year. Yeah, I know. One of the first healthcare workers that I spoke to is one of the scariest weeks in March. And, you know, you kicked everything into gear at a major hospital in Atlanta, like, leading COVID testing, coming up with protocols where there were none, coming up with a, you know, COVID unit when there was none, um, and and no template for it. And to think a year later, there have been over 30 million cases in the U.S. alone. And I can't believe this, but we surpassed surpassed 100,000 deaths and are, you know, over 500,000 deaths. 
it's quite unbelievable. Like, it's quite unbelievable what a year it's been. And for me, you know, personally, I, I was a very healthy person. So for me to just take ill like that was um, pretty scary, actually. And we're still trying to figure out the details of that. But, you know, COVID is probably going to be here for a while. You know, just to study the disease and the toll it's taken on people. There's a lot of loan callers. There's a lot of families. Millions of families were affected. I just don't know anybody that was not affected in, in some type of way from this. And, you know, personally, when we were speaking a year ago and, you know, your family was essentially quarantining together, just, mm-hmm. you know, the, the five of you. And um, and now, you know, your daughter's graduated and we've, like, assumed a total new order, like, operating in the world, like, hybrid remote working and learning and going back to school and living with like a new normal. Um, yeah. How has that been for you and your, in your capacity as like someone who's really educated on this? You know, it's, it's difficult in a sense that you want to help everybody and you feel, you know, compelled. And of course our country is somewhat divided on the political front, and that filters down the health care also. Mm-hmm. So especially with the vaccine, we were so excited, you know, to to see the vaccine, to see our families. But at the same time, you know, I personally well, you know of several people that chose not to be vaccinated, and I respect that. But, you know, it, it does limit um, connections. And, you know, sometimes, especially now, connections is, are very important. How how we speak to other people, deal with our friends, our families, our coworkers, our peers, you know. So I'm, I'm very concerned about um, how we're going to move as a people, the country, as a nation, as a world, with um, this disease still ravaging many parts of the world. And are you working again? Are you like what capacity are you back at work? No, I'm not back at work yet. Um, not sure when I will, you know, be released to go back to work. Um, to be extremely honest, I worked so hard that I think on top of being sick, I was just tired. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I spent some time you know, resting and reflecting and connecting with my friends and family. I hope to be back to work, you know, soon, but I I just don't know an exact date with that. My husband is working from home now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a challenge also. <laughs> just, you know, him getting used to trying to do his job from home, and I don't know how long that's going to last. So I think as a family, we're doing as well as we can do. We've seen a lot of people suffer, and, you know, that is both scary and hurtful, and you you do want to help. But as a family, we've all done well. We um, haven't had COVID personally, and my extended family are all vaccinated and doing well also. So 
Um, we're very appreciative of that, and we are here. Yeah, we're very cognizant, though, of what's going on, though, um, with our friends and family, um, extended family as, as far as, you know, um, what we hear of other people and talking to them. When you think about your, your year and especially, like, getting sick, I wonder if you approach it both as, you know, with your medical background and just from a personal background. If, I wonder if you're able to to move on without medical answers or if you need those to be able to feel a sense of security on your, like, road to health or a, a, a road to transformation, I guess I should say. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right about that. Um I, I I am curious as to what happened, and at some point I will probably order and read my medical records. It's very difficult um, because I was so sick, and you know there aren't any answers to to exactly what happened. But I do try to reconcile the fact that um, life goes on, and I I have to live. I have. Um, a lot of things that I'm so grateful for, you know, my husband, my children, my parents. So that makes me move forward and not concentrate on the past as much. But, you know, the, the healthcare provider in me wonder what exactly did happen, you know, to me. I think it's interesting that, you know, it's documented that throughout helping to open up the movie studio, working on the NIH project, working in the ER, I've personally tested, you know, um, I know over a 1,000 COVID patients, but I never tested positive for COVID. I've been tested many times. Um, so it, it is a, a big mystery as to what happened to me. Oprah always says what happens to us happens for us. Mm-hmm. I'm a big I, believer in that, too. I'm a huge believer in that, honestly. And I think about it often, you know, what is it that I need to do? I always thought pivoting me in in the direction I need to go. I, you know, meditate often and, you know, try to receive what it is I need to do from the universe. So I'm I'm a believer in, you know, um, in happiness and being happy and working really hard towards that. So um, what's the yet? past year difficult oh gosh it was beyond difficult my children had to do it without me for nearly three months while I was hospitalized and my husband um also as he was trying to support you know our family through that but they're Mm -hmm. resilient um and they've done really well and were you able to be in a place where you felt like you were getting good care yeah, um, especially now. I, I've got a really good healthcare team, and um, my my recovery is, is going really good. I still get tired, though. I, mm-hmm. I do. I still get tired, but it, uh, for the most part, I'm, I'm doing really well. One of the things that we hear so much from medical professionals and holistic health is about rest and thinking in terms of long-term versus short-term. It really kind of rubs up, I think, against like our culture of, oh, if I do this now, I want to see a result. I I wonder if 
adjusting to a longer term, you know, what does rest mean and like resting for way longer than than we set out, like how, how it is to adjust to that? It's very difficult to adjust to that, especially if you're a busy person. I've always been person a, a person that takes on a lot of tasks and been able to handle them so the thought of rest didn't come easy for me to be very honest with you mm-hmm. now I'm settling into it in the sense that um, my therapist said to me athlete one of their part big part of um, what they do is resting your body and it's you know sort of active resting that they do and when she put it in perspective like that, I thought to myself, um, rest is important. And so I do incorporate it into my day, which I didn't before. I probably should have. So rest is that time of reflection also. You know, I've always been one to have intentional meditation. But now, even with rest, I have this point of reflection of, what am I doing? What do I intend to do? What what should I do? And, you know, it helped me to get through the day of life or what, it, you know, what I have ahead of me. And it makes it, it puts it in perspective also. You know, are my intentions lining up with what I say? And before um, I was sick, I'm not so sure if it always did. I said that my family was first. I said that my husband was above all. I said that, you know, I wanted to do all these things in life and I had priorities, but I'm pretty sure I worked more than I should have. So now um, my goal is to line up what I say, what my intentions are with what I do. That is really powerful. Well, when you get knocked down, (laughs) you Get time to to think about those things. Yeah, you really think about your your comeback moments. Yeah, you know, so many people I'm talking to are reflecting on what their life was before and after. And I haven't, maybe I haven't articulated this before, but you know, when I was living in New Orleans, everyone talked about before the storm and after the storm. Mm-hmm. And referencing Katrina. I think all of us can say what our life was like before. What we're like coping with is thinking, I want the world to go back, but I don't want my life necessarily to be what it was like before. Exactly. You're 100% right. I think we will never be the same. My children and I, and my husband, we were talking about that the other day because my son said, oh, mommy, I keep hearing about 9-11. He wasn't born. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And we were talking about those times, like you said, um, 9-11, Katrina, um, you know, different times. I I even remember the space shuttle explosion many years ago. You know, those things. Yeah, the Challenger. All of those things really, you know, we can remember before and the changes we made in our lives after. And mm-hmm. this is another pivotal moment where we'll all be saying before COVID. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, that's going to be not just a catchphrase. It's probably going to be how we live pre-COVID and versus how we live in afterwards. 
you know, there's this, I think it's an Apple commercial from like the late 80s and Steve Jobs and his like turtleneck Mm -hmm. is like presenting an early model of the computer. And he's talking about how basically he was saying like the bicycle is like the most efficient machine, you know, that doesn't use like gas or electricity for Mm -hmm. a man. And that's what the computer is like for your brain. And I've been thinking about that kind of commercial because I've been thinking about the fever pitch that I feel like so many of our lives were at before COVID, where maybe the body, the mind, and the demands of people and accessibility to everybody, our work, every person we've ever met with like our cell phone was like really at a fever pitch that didn't, that now in retrospect, COVID has been a, like a revealer that it wasn't sustain like a sustainable way for us all to to live and to like and to have a family and to have a life and to include rest a no, like a good amount of rest at the work mm-hmm. that we need to do that is so true 100 percent. we have this calendar a family calendar this big calendar that we kept and my husband was, was the keeper of the calendar and um he would write all these things on it. And you could see the difference if you flip back the months of mm-hmm. how busy we were to how, you know, we were able to not have to go 50 places all of the time <laughs> and not have to do so many sports with the kids. And, you know, just you could see the calendar just so clear itself. And that I think it's sort of a representation of our family. You know, it's like we cleaned out a lot of clutter. It forced us to um, both mentally, physically, and spiritually because, you know, we're quarantined together. We had no choice but to, you know, get to know each other on a deeper level. We cleaned out closets that we hadn't both figuratively and, you know, in the material world. So it really, it, it changed us. It does how we deal with each other how we talk to each other. Um, you know, the kids are not participating in every sport there is anymore. We talked about what we're going to do the next coming school year. Mm-hmm. And it, we have slowed our pace. Do you feel like it was easy to say, like, as a family, like, oh, this is what we're going to do, this is what we're not going to do, for your kids to pick what they really want to do and, for example, the sports they wanted to let go of? No, it was not easy at all. Um, we we just weren't accustomed to not doing um, everything that was available. What did make it better is the fact of availability. A lot of those things just aren't available now. So, mm-hmm. you know, we had to move in an intentional manner because um, we absolutely have to. So I think the whole world will start to sort of move at a different pace now, at least in America we will, because as you said, that fever pitch, it's just not anymore. Um, You know, my husband had to transition to working from home, and I remember the beginning he said, I can never do this. This is not going to work, the kind of job I do, and blah, 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 and he's more productive than ever now. He's doing an excellent job. Wow. Plus, he doesn't have over an hour drive either way. And so, you know, that's time he's getting back in his day. His day. So, you know, we could not imagine this life. We, we absolutely couldn't imagine spending so much time together. 
eating so many meals at home, mm-hmm. slowing down, um, just, you know, family game night turned into just impromptu before we had to schedule it and make sure it's going to happen on that night. You know, now mm-hmm. we, we get together because we want to, not because it's scheduled. You know, I think of you sometimes when I read the paper and think about the way that the reporting and the coverage of COVID. Do you think that COVID has been very specific and that this is like a really hard disease to contain and to handle? Or do you think that a lot of deaths and the cases are also a reflection of like our healthcare system and its its capacities? I think there's both going on, honestly. COVID is um, a, a very vicarious disease. You know, you see entire families die, and then you see entire families that's not affected at all with COVID. So it's very vicarious of who gets it and who gets really sick. I will tell you this much. Um, it ripped the Band-Aids off of healthcare, And so the gap came with it, and we were able to see major gaps right away of um, access to health care, I think is a huge problem that we have to address. And, you know, that's one of the issues I think COVID helped to bring to light, as well as, you know, the entitlement of health care. Who, who gets proper health care and who doesn't? You know, does it depend on where you live? Mm-hmm. Um, or does it depend on your resources or your county resources and all these other things? So I, I think that, you know, America has to take a step back and say, do we really care as much as we say we do? Because if we do, we have to make major changes to um, our healthcare infrastructure. You know, Georgia is one of the, I think, 11 states that doesn't, that didn't accept the expansion of Medicaid. So a lot of rural hospitals have closed because, you know, their patients couldn't pay and there was no safety net. Mm-hmm. And I was curious if you've seen that, like, play out. Yeah, I've definitely seen that because those same families, when they become sick, they have to travel to get health care or they stay home longer than they should because of, Lack of access, lack of coverage, medical bills, um, you know, that that shouldn't be in America at all. Every American should have access to health care, regardless of your status. And so I think in Georgia we are paying. It also reflects in the number of vaccinated patients also. Um, Mm -hmm. You see certain areas that are highly vaccinated and engaged in other areas um, the vaccination rate is extremely low, even though it's available to that population. And so, you know, there's access to health care. There's some health literacy issue that's going on. You know, debunking some of the myths about being vaccinated. I think a lot of people politicize it, and that's really not necessary if you think about the fact that in order to go to public school or even private schools, you have to have be vaccinated and show proof of it. So, you know, vaccines are not due to 
to us in the least bit. So I'm not sure what the struggle is with this one, to be very honest with you. I just recently was eavesdropping on somebody who said, I wasn't going to get vaccinated, but then I really wanted to go to a Yankees game. So my husband was like, we have to get it. (laughs) Yeah, you do hear that. I mean, I know I was nervous, but within the span of a week, I think four people were like, you're the last person I know. And like, you need to do this within the next week or else. And I was, I was a little touched that I was on so many people's lists, COVID hassle list. (laughs) If you had a magic wand and you could change anything about the medical system, you know, after see, after the year that you've had, both as healthcare worker, provider, and patient, what would it be? I think it would be to have global prevention measures in place. You know that old saying, "Out of prevention, saves a pound of cure." That is so true. Um, if we had more prevention mechanisms, you know, we wouldn't have over 500,000 people in America dead, millions across the globe. But, you know, we just did not have the infrastructure for prevention. And when I think of that word, I think of prevention of diabetes, of hypertension, of other chronic illnesses, you know, that would save healthcare. And also, I think it would make it um, so that healthcare is accessible to everyone. So those those are like my top priorities, prevention and access. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do with my wine. On every episode of The Women, we have Truth or Truth. We go a little light after we go deep. And if you haven't already heard Antoinette's story from last year, our episode posted on March 17th, 2020, you should just know that she's a singer and a lover of music. I thought of you last week because I was playing um, back-to-back albums of Stevie Wonder. (laughs) Yes, I still listen to a lot of Stevie Wonder. (laughs) That just started my day and then it got me on a kick all weekend. That is so nice. That's so nice. You cannot help but be happy when you listen to Stevie Wonder. I know. And I was thinking about his songs differently because I used to think of them as um, truly as love songs. And listening to them again, I was thinking about them as family songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And connections are so important right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. That's how I think about them also, you know, just just being there. That's the important thing. And so I think we talked about this before. It's just, you know, those phone calls. I I linger a little bit longer now. I call people a little more often. I, um, you know, Zoom more and I FaceTime a lot, you know, especially for somebody well, I know I can FaceTime with, I'll ask them, I say, hey, can we FaceTime now? Are you, <laughs> you know, and it it really makes a difference, you know. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it does. I, I find that, you know, at the end of that conversation and not being brushed as I used to be in life, it makes a big deal. And my dad said something to me. Um, he said he used to call me and he'd always say, are you in a hurry? Can we talk? And I'd say, 
I'm busy, but we can talk. And that sort of meant you only have a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And I never realized I was doing that to him and to, you know, a lot of people. So now, you know, I changed my language and I changed my intention to um, either I'm available or I'm not available. But, you know, I don't put those qualifiers of you only get a limited amount of me because I'm just that busy and that important because now I realize so many people supported me through my illness and they supported my family and they started food chains mm-hmm. and they sent us money, every form you can think of, cash up, bail, you know, gift cards. We were so supported. So, you know, I think going through that, the least I can do is, is just be there and be present. The Women as a Rose Reed production. This episode was mixed by Adrian Lilly. And special thanks to Antoinette Ward and Sonia Green. We are publishing every other week on Thursday, so check back and we'll see you in a couple of weeks.